Welcome to AI Nerd, AI with Attitude. Today, I'm joined with Jag Dalal, who's going to be talking about impact cultivation, impact sourcing, and even how AI plays a role. But first, welcome to AI Nerd, AI with Attitude, where I try to make things as unnerdy as possible. Enjoy learning today about the latest trending technology. But before we begin, please subscribe, hit the notifications button, give it a like, and drop a comment below. I'd like to welcome our guest, Jag. Jag, how are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. I appreciate you coming back on this. I say foolishly because you never know what I'm going to say, and, and it's your brand, not mine, that's at risk there. <laughs> I've reached an age where brand doesn't matter. It's what I've done in the past, what I'm doing now that matters. I love your I love your segues because now I can talk about it because you've written an, an article on impact cultivating and you know and how it impacts it's cornerstone of impact sourcing. You know, there's some technology plays we'll talk about, but first of all, just you know, you know, from people who don't know who you are, give a little background and then maybe lead into what is impact sourcing. Okay, well, uh, I have over 50 years of experience, uh, mostly managing information technology for large companies, uh, Xerox, uh, you know, the Technology Carrier Corporation, or the partner PricewaterhouseCoopers. And there I founded, I was one of the founding partners of their business process outsourcing practice. And very active in the field of outsourcing, in the field of strategy, technology management. And for the last few years, uh, you know, I've kind of reached a stage where I think it's time for me to give back to the society. And I picked the topic of impact sourcing making a difference in the life of people as sort of my new journey. And so now I'm really engaged in really talking about that a lot more than anything else. Uh, as you already know, I was a, one of the founding members of International Association of Outsourcing Professionals, and I got recognized and elected to their uh, Leadership Hall of Fame uh, for my contribution, but that's all in the past. And that doesn't mean a damn thing when we are talking about the people who can benefit from my experience, from the experience like people like us who have succeeded in life. So with well, that, yeah. let me answer the impact sourcing question you asked. You know, the companies in recent times have sort of, some of them even more so than others are becoming very social responsible. They're thinking in terms of not just making a difference to their customers, but making a difference to the society making a difference in the lives of the people they serve, lives to the people that are near. So one of the things that they've really gone after, and like I said, some companies, it's a more of a slogan than it is really meaningful, is what they call impact sourcing. What that is, is they are now sourcing products and services from the community, from the organizations, from the companies, where there is a difference in the society they make through their location, through their employment, through whatever they do in that area. And so companies can take credit in a sense of having made a difference uh, in the lives of the people from whom they buy services. This is not a charity. It is not something that they do at a cost lower they're doing it to really make a difference, but they are looking for competitive people. They're looking for people who can provide the service uh, competitively. And that's what the term impact sourcing comes from, that the, they are doing sourcing services and products where it does make an impact in the society. I did write an article uh, on yeah. impact sourcing in the past, 
And I'm actually in the process of writing another article of how do you really analyze how are you making an impact in the community? Because sometimes uh, people are sort of uh, at the very high level saying I'm making an impact, but not really as such. And so I just wanna dig deeper into it. But that led me to writing another article that you referenced called Impact Cultivation. So, I mean, you, you, so impact cultivation, is, you know, is, uh, I think you, you named it the cornerstone, cornerstone of impact sourcing. And, and so you just, I think what you're describing impact sourcing is a maybe concept or a direction, if you will, but to actually make it functional and uh, meaningful where people who are going to benefit actually can, fair to say that the cultivating component of that is kind of the, the starting block, if you will, or the cornerstone as you described it. Yeah, and, 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 and the reason is that I really came across a lot of people who, quote unquote, were doing impact sourcing, going into the community, setting up operations, and then finding it failed because they have not cultivated that community, their workers, to be effective on a longer term basis. And, and so that kind of led me to thinking in terms of impact cultivation, you know, and kind of uh, uh, side story in a sense, you know, there, we've heard the saying that uh, don't give a fish to a hungry person, teach the person to fish so he can support himself for a life. I kind of changed it. I'm saying that don't give a fish to a person that's hungry, teach that person to fish so that he can not only serve himself, but also teach others in his community who cannot fish and therefore become the entire community dependent on eating fish and be healthy. In that analogy, right, you're gonna to need tools. You're gonna to need potentially some skill, like the, the technique of catching fish. You're going to need bait maybe, which, so there's a lot of components. Is that where some of the cultivation or the steps fail between, you know, teaching the man to fish to feed forever versus, so that's great, but how do I get a pole and how do I afford it, right? Or who's going to give me a pole to start with or how do you make them? And in an analogy, how do you, how do you transcend that to over to, to the cultivation, to the sourcing? Yeah. So in the cultivation, I talk about really three components to it. The, and I'm going to keep the third component last because that's where we're going to tie it back to the AI and how that may even make, make a difference. The first one is you have to be able to, in a community that is underserved. So you have to recognize that community, but then have to find local civic organizations that are in line with you. Because at the end of the day, they're going to need some support in the community from civic organizations, whether it's a nonprofit organization, whether it's a governmental organizations who are out there helping people recruit people and get them all settled. So for example, one of the companies I'm working with, People Shores, uh, they're based out of Clarksville, Mississippi. They use the Mississippi state organizations to help them. And they're opening another center now in Arkansas. They have part, paired up with a local university so that there is a, a, a line of people they can go to who can help recruit, et cetera. The second, which most people kind of ignore, is what I call familial support. Many of the people that are in this area don't have family support. They actually can't work full time because they're at home taking care of their elderly, they're taking care of younger kids, and they can't afford these services at a cost, which means that they need network organizations and network of people that can support them so they can be employed full-time. And that's what I call familial support uh, as part of the second. The third is the education enablement. 
you can't go to a community and say, I'm going to give you work and I'm going to expect you to start performing as soon as possible. That's not possible. You have to find a way to educate the people. I mean, very interestingly, I've come across two organizations now. There is an organization in South Africa that's called Elfbet that actually have set up their training organization next to their business process outsourcing center. Their objective is to train the people first before they can hire and recruit them. People source does exactly the same thing. So it's not only teaching them the processes, the technology, but social skills. Because some of these people have never worked full time. They don't have an idea of going to work. They don't have an idea how to dress. They don't have an idea how to uh, communicate. So part of that is really soft skill training. So education is really critical. Another aspect of that, uh, actually, I've joined the board of a nonprofit called Wells Mountain Initiative. They provide scholarships to students in Africa and Asia to complete their education to a bachelor's degree. But here's the catch. First of all, it has to be in a field that's going to make a difference in their community. Secondly, they have to commit that once they graduate, they will stay in that community where they are at and not kind of leave for a job somewhere else and, and not really benefit the community. So for example, they will be giving 75 scholarships this year and 30% of them will become doctors or will be the medicine field. In Africa, in Asia, what that's a, there's a dearth of it. So now you said they're gonna set up an operation in the local community with their degree, that's going to make a difference. Now you can go buy a service from that community knowing that that community will have adequate medical support should they need it. So in impact cultivation is really going beyond just giving the work and expecting them to perform at the highest level without any support, without really cultivating them through proper recruiting, proper training, and, and really providing civic and family support. You know, what you're describing sounds like an initial investment load uh, from somebody. Uh, who's typically the, the funder of that? Well, and that's that's a very good question. Some organizations, both Elephant and PeopleSource, have made a commitment that they're going to make the investment as part of their startup. They will make the profit subsequently when they begin to sell services. So that's their initial investment in it. Secondly, they look to the government entities to provide support. And there are quite a few government entities in the US and elsewhere who provide uh, grants, who provide support to recruit and train people. And a lot of organizations take advantage of that. And lastly, organizations like partnering with Wasmart Initiative that says, hey, I'm gonna partner with you. So when you give the scholarship and where your grantees set up an operation, I'm gonna be there next to you. So it is, so impact cultivation really takes beyond just impact sourcing. You have to think broader in order to make a difference. It's, are there, uh, I mean, it's, you know, knowledge is key if you know it, right? So uh, do they, like, how do you, how does it, I mean, who, where do you find all the information out there to even know where to start? If you're a company, even a state, like, right, does, do a lot of states not even know they have it? And they, so tell me maybe kind of, Frame that of how, how, you, how does a company or a, how do you begin or how does a city begin or who begins? Just maybe frame well, the, the incubation side of the investment. 
And actually, there are really two sides to that question. The first side of the question is how does the community become engaged in it? And so what they have to do is to really civic organizations then have to go out. So for example, uh, the way people sort of started in Arkansas is I was able to get hold of their economic development officer and said, hey, do you have a location where there's a high unemployment in the minority area? And they said, yeah, Pine Bluff. So they identified it. And so I went to People Shores. I'm a, an advisor to them to help them. And went to People Shores and said, hey, People Shores, I have someone who's going to help you to set up an operation in Pine Bluff. And it's the Economic Development Authority. So it really works on both sides. Corporation that's looking to outsource or impact source then have to go out and do the research. Organizations, large corporations now have recognized, large, I'm going to say, uh, those who have enlightened themselves have set up their sourcing organization to go out and do a survey. How many organizations and companies are out there that are truly making the difference and are making an impact? And that's where my last second article that I'm writing will come into play. That says, how do you analyze a company that's doing, that's really making an impact? So for example, I have a set of questions that I'm gonna have in that article that's gonna say, hey, in order to understand, you gotta ask the question of that service provider, what's your strategic intent? What's your leadership like? What's your investment in this? How is a long-term commitment to this? Or is this just an upfront front that says that I'm gonna get the job and then I'm gonna do whatever I've been doing in the past as always. And, that, that, and that's, a, that's a concern that the, if that's the case, they're not gonna make an impact on the society that, that, that you're looking to do. And that's where the map, go ahead. I know I see like you, you, you've, you know, you've been along the, the outsourcing world for, for uh, a bit of time. Um, and you know, what was the original epiphany for you or moment you're like, I'm gonna do this. This is so much more me. I'm, I'm always curious like that because you have such a passion for it and you have for several years now. And you can talk on a number of topics. So this doesn't have to be something, you know, you're not, you're not chasing consulting money doing this because it, it, I mean, you make money doing it, but that's fine. And that's, but you can be making a lot more doing <laughs> other parts of the consulting business. But why this? What's the... First of all, I'm not consulting on this. I have no interest in consulting. I have no interest in charging for it. So if there are people out there who are going to listen to this and say, hey, I need to learn more, absolutely they can reach out to me knowing that I'm not a consultant that's out there selling my services. I'm gonna give you a hooky answer to this. Really goes back to my uh, family. My great grandfather in India had set up a school in a local area. My sister in India had set up a non, uh, an NGO, a non-governmental organization to really educate women in rural areas in the lives of managing finances and managing small businesses. So for me, it's been in my blood from way back when. I've been involved in a lot of nonprofit in the past, but nothing as a commitment to it. So in the last four or five years, when I decided that uh, I'm done consulting, I'm done working for somebody, I'm done, I decided that I'm gonna spend my time really investing my energy, my knowledge, my experience, and more importantly, my network to organizations who are making a difference. And that's why I've joined Helping People Shores. That's why I've joined uh, Wealth Smart Initiative. I've joined local uh, 
historical home board so that I can help uh, in, 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 in that area. So the bottom line is that it's all my blood and I've seen how impact sourcing can make a difference, not only in a rural area like India, but also in the United States. We have locations like Clarksville, Mississippi, like Pine Bluff, even Bronx, uh, I mean, even you know sections of Atlanta where there is an issue that are high unemployment, there are people that are looking for work that's meaningful and that can make a difference in the society. So we're, we're talking about that, hey, you know, uh, rising tide raises all boats. So the question is, how do you create that tide? I do, have, I, I do have 60% unemployment in my house, but three of them are under age 12. So <laughs> going to throw that out there. If you can help them get a job, that'd be great. <laughs> well, listen, I used to be a child labor advocate. Uh, my kids were working when they were your kids. Age. I mean, they're, they're working. They're just not doing it very well. And, and they argue every time they have to do it. And there's no impact at all to that. Well, you have to, you have to cultivate them. Don't I need forget. to cultivate them. You have to I just, cultivate them. I like a lure. I dangle fishing. Like you're not going to go fishing. Unless um, and so, Hey, listen, you had teased it because this is the AI nerd channel. And right. I have to know how does it didn't have to be, yeah. how is, or you, how is AI playing a part in this? If at all. Very good. And in fact, that's going to be part of my article that I'm going to talk about, you know, again, we're not going to talk about creating jobs that have dead end. We're talking about technology is changing a lot of industries and professions. By the way, there's another talk that I give to conferences and clients for a fee, by the way. That's the only time I'm uh, What I talk about how technology is changing professions and industry. So we don't want to have impact sourcing and teach them how to take call center calls simply because call center calls are going to be going away as the technology changes and as technology eliminates and disintermediates those jobs. So the issue is, what do you want to teach them? You don't want to teach them low end skills that's going to be eliminated. So yeah, you made an impact current year, maybe two years, and then it'll be gone. Another example I can give is uh, a Caribbean country. And I was familiar with this 25 years ago. A Caribbean country had made a huge investment with airlines to keep punch airline tickets. Remember those cards we used to have in the airline tickets? They set up an operation in that Caribbean nation to be able to keep punch and there are thousands of people employed. And they said, oh, what a great thing we have done. Well, guess what happened? It's no longer necessary. There are no more cards. There are no more card punching required. All of those people are out of job. So that leads me to kind of say that what we need to teach these people and making an impact are the technology and skills of the future, current and future. AI is definitely a part of it. So for example, PeopleSource have taught all of their staff in Clarksville, Mississippi to write bots, to be able to do things that utilizes uh, software, AI anywhere, uh, to be able to do their work. So the whole idea is teach them languages, teach them things that don't get eliminated as technology changes and you're back to they're back to where they were. Not only that, it'll be even worse because now they've seen the other side and all of a sudden their job is gone and they're unemployable. An example that I always give, 
don't teach someone to drive a car to deliver pizza. Because remember, in Houston, Domino already is delivering pizza using robots. Didn't know that. That's kind of cool. Are these robots so, driving the car? <laughs> so, so, so the whole idea is that AI, of all aspects of AI, data analysis, which is part of AI, analytical, teach them analytical tools. There are so many jobs available in that field that can make the difference. And that's where my education enablement comes into play. When I talk about WellSmart Initiative, that's why they're focusing on the skills and, and talent of the future, physical, uh, the medicine field, engineering, social uh, services. So these are the kind of things that are educating them that can last for a longer period of time, make a difference, not only on themselves, but also in the community they're in. Are you That's seeing AI is yeah. a very much part of it. Have you seen an increase uh, because of uh, the, the future of work, of more remote, more remote work, an increase in the interest in not, in not caring where people are sourced from? So globally or uh, rural or wherever, is this helping or is it just, is it, has that had an impact on how this is performing, I guess? Well, it's, it's interesting. It's helping and hurting in both ways. It's helping in the sense that a lot of companies have figured out that I don't need my staff next sitting next to me, which is the whole idea of outsourcing to begin with. And that's been around for decades now, that when you outsource, the job goes somewhere else and the job gets done and it's not an issue. So this work from home, so to speak, has kind of educated some companies who were reluctant. Uh, recently, I came across a, a very large uh, company who basically, I approached them. I knew some people there. I approached them saying, hey, have you talked about giving some work to people chores? Well, we need to have those people in my facility because that's how we operate. So there are some companies out there who are not quite on the board yet. However, this whole area of work from home, remote work locations, has really encouraged them to look that, gee, I can actually give the work to somebody else in a location that's somewhere else that has to be secure. That has to be, I can count on it. And that's, that's again, part of the impact cultivation. But yeah, it, it has really promoted uh, that thought process that you can give work to somebody in Africa. You can give somebody to work in South Africa or in Pine Bluff, Arkansas or Clarksville, Mississippi. And you're not just focusing on U.S. then, too. So you say that, that that's this is something that's a global in, in nature. So, uh, you know, don't just think states or North America, like think globally of how you can either you set it up in the U.S. someplace or someplace else. The same kind of mechanisms, different complexities, I'm sure, uh, exist to enable this to actually go to scale and work. So it's not just a U.S. thing. It's, it's the short answer to that. Uh, listen, I, I've, been a, I've been a globalist all my life. I think not just in terms of a country or state, local, city. I think in terms of where can it make a difference? And that difference doesn't have to be locally. But at the same time, we can't forget that even in the United States, there are a whole bunch of people that are unemployed. There are a whole bunch of people that don't have enough to eat. So it is, it is both. It is both that we still have to you know, think globally, act locally. Yeah, I say think globally, act locally, and then also act globally. I, I don't think this is AI. I think it's probably more just analytics, but it would seem like it'd be a nice analytics 
data set to say where are the most likely candidates based on whatever factors you use to determine, you know, income, population, density, unemployment, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, like, you know, lack of education, lots of education, access to schools, whatever. I think there'd probably be, uh, I think, uh, you know, a few thousand, I guess, really high red little targets would show up all around the world of where to go. Piece that. I'm not sure where you get the data, but I think it'd be an interesting use case to, to, to do that, to, to kind of uh, do a one to many and, and, and put it out there. I mean, like, just to be like, hey, here's all the data of where you should do it. If you're, you know, you live in that little red dot, maybe go talk to some local people and see if you can bring me in and tell you how to do it. I, I know, I, I think it'd be a mass scale way to do it. So you don't have to do it one at a time. You could do a one to many um, sure. on it. Yeah. And, 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 and like I said, as we look at the impact sources company, look at it, they don't, they should not be narrow-minded. Just like I said, hey, uh, why think about New York City? New York City is very rich. No, not the entire city. When you look at Bronx, when you look at the areas, there just as bad unemployment and it's just as bad need for impacting that society as it is in downtown Manhattan with the financial district. So again, we have to kind of take away that blinders that we, a lot of time we put on and say, hey, AI, it can only be taught in Santa Clara or it can only be taught in Austin, Texas, or it can only be taught in Boston. No, it can be taught in Clarksville, Mississippi. It can be taught somewhere, anywhere else uh, in the world. And I think we have to really throw out those blind, blinders and say, how can I cultivate a society that not only benefits themselves, but everybody around it. And as a whole, rising tide raises all boats. Hopefully it doesn't kill everybody on shore too, though. It didn't get on a boat, <clears throat> but <laughs> different discussion and different metaphor, but I think we get it. So give, give me the takeaway. What's the top three things on impact cultivation that you gotta know? What, like, what are the three one-liners? Uh, understand your community understand the community that it needs the impact, not just the people that are gonna be employed, but the, all of the ecosystem around it. The second thing is investment so that that impact is longer lasting than just one short-term impact. And a third is an ongoing commitment to making the impact and not a one-time deal that you can put a press release, say, I did this and I'm all done. I think those are pretty solid. Will you, uh, it, it, when are you speaking again or where are you speaking on this uh, topic, either it be live or online or online live, I guess, as well? Uh, well, it, for example, totally different topic, but it, it related. I'm gonna be speaking locally here on impact of technology changing professions. Mm. And, and the reason is, I wanna, I wanna bring everyone's attention saying, hey, some of the professions are gonna be going away. You have to look beyond that of what it is right now and, and then kind of go through it. There are a lot they're gonna change, they always do. Technologists tend to, to uh, I think generally just be flexible because of the nature of technology to be able to do it, but. In, and, and one other one, in the fall, I'm gonna be speaking at a client event, private client event who are actually very focused on impact sourcing and they want to bring some of their customers to listen to this because when they go their services to their customers, 
they want to also include them in their ecosystem supporting their impact sourcing activity. Wonderful. So I'm going to be speaking at, at, at a private event uh, in, in that one. It's nice to see that pick it back up for you again. So now that people are just not caring about COVID, I'm not saying it's not around anymore, just not caring <laughs> too more speaking. Um, <clears throat> I will definitely drop all the links for you, but if someone wants a copy of this paper or these articles, uh, where's the best place to go? To you or reach out to me, either way. All right, we'll make sure of it. I really appreciate, as always, your time um, and, and allowing me to, I mean, I, I get to learn new things. I get to sit here and listen, um, which is great because most of the time I'm doing the talking. So thank you for doing all the talking today. My pleasure. And thank you for asking me. You know, mm -hmm. as you can see, I bleed impact cultivation. You do. You, that'd be a great graphic right now, but I just, I just don't have the budget to create that. <laughs> well, I, have, I, know, I know an impact sourcing company that can do it for you. We, well, I, I will take you up on that probably. That'd be actually very interesting to do the whole production through there. So I, I will actually follow up with you on that. Um, thank you so much. You have a great day. Take care. My pleasure. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the video today. Thank you for listening, watching. Please subscribe, turn on notifications, hit that like button, and drop me a comment below. AI Nerd, AI with Attitude.